Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Allah bless our Sayyid Muhammad and his family and his companions. So we are approaching a very unique Ramadan. So the last place you look for things is ex sometimes is exactly where they're supposed to be. I put a bookmark on the the page where I wrote down a few notes for us and I was flipping through all of the other pages when I could have just gone to the bookmark as for disorganized people or people who are perfectionists. It's either all or nothing. So when you're looking for something that you lost, sometimes you look in everywhere except for where it's supposed to be. And life can often be like that, where there's something that we need, something that we're hoping to find, and we look in all the wrong places before we look in the place where we knew that that's where we were supposed to find it. Some people know that they need the Creator in their life. They know that they need a spiritual path. They're looking to be in touch with their soul or their heart uh, or the universe, as it were. And they look everywhere first, avoiding or not even considering the place where you expect to find it. SubhanAllah. The Prophet ﷺ said that Jannah is surrounded by unpleasant things. And paradise and comfort and enduring serenity is where everyone wants to get to. Um, but sometimes it's hard to find because of what it's surrounded with. We think of the unpleasant things oftentimes as hardships or difficulties or things that are difficult to, to do, getting up for Fajr in the morning, uh, making wudu in the wintertime, avoiding this and avoiding that. And sometimes, you know, the way to enduring serenity is camouflaged by diversions. Right? So yes, there's difficult things that you have to do to achieve the Jannah. But sometimes the way to Jannah is camouflaged by things that are unattractive and not necessarily part and parcel of it. But, for example, misunderstandings of the deen or bad practices. You know, sometimes we don't treat each other or newcomers the way that we should. And, of course, that's an unpleasant experience, so someone doesn't assume that the way to enduring serenity is going to be in this place or among these uh, types of people. But that's the nature of the dunya. It's the nature of this world. The nature of this world is test. That's why it exists. لِيَبْلُوَكُمْ أَيُّكُمْ أَحْسَنُ عَمَلًا To test you which of you will be best in conduct. Naam. Subhanallah. And falling in with the wrong friends, falling in with the wrong crowd, uh, getting in with the wrong influences, right? It's easy, okay? Sometimes the, the easiest friends to make 
are the ones who are most available or make themselves most available because they have nothing important to do. They have nothing constructive going on in their lives. They're not busy trying to achieve something important. So uh, sometimes, you know, you're a newcomer to a town, you're a newcomer to a school, and those who sometimes it's too easy to make friends with. It's not the best crowd to, to get around. And like Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, I'm not going to take a sweater off and put my house sweater on, but I did bring some eyeglasses. So here we are in our Ramadan. That is a very unique Ramadan, and we began speaking about this last week. Ramadan uh, is referred to by the Messenger والسلام, as Shahru Sabr, the month of patience. But what is it that you have to be patient with? Sometimes we idealize and we imagine the things that we need to be ready to be patient with or that we're prepared to be patient with. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is always going to surprise you. Subhanallah. You know, um, when you're learning to drive, for example, uh, back in our day, we used to have um, uh, learning to drive, driver's ed, driver's education in high school. And of course, there's the theoretical side. But you can learn as much as you want on the th theoretical side. It's not until you get out there behind the wheel in a car doing it yourself over and over again. We can learn a theory like a mathematical equation get behind the wheel and immediately try to implement how we imagine it should be done or how we are told it should be done. But it's not until a little bit of trial and error, hopefully not too much error in the beginning, that we condition ourselves and we figure out within the muscle memory of our bodies how to get that, how to drive well. And it takes time, but that time is doing it yourself. Here we are in Ramadan. Every year, you can go out to Tarawiyah in the masjid and the Imam recites so beautifully and you stand there and there is a degree of autopilot that's happening. To what degree Tarawiyah is a Qiyam al-Layl, right? So everything that you pray after Isha and before Fajr is stand, standing by night prayer, Qiyam al-Layl. Tahajjud is what you have to make some jahada, ijtihad, uh, to achieve. So that's the prayer that you pray after you've slept first. So some qiyam al-layl is tahajjud, but not every, uh, not every qiyam al-layl is tahajjud, right? Or all tahajjud is qiyam al-layl, but not every qiyam al-layl is tahajjud. This and other aspects of Ramadan. This year, you get to really learn how to make that Qiyam al-Layl. If it's not already a habit or a custom that you've, um, that you've conditioned yourself for. And that's a beautiful thing. Reciting Qur'an for yourself. 
you know, we know that there is a more profound reward for the recitation of Qur'an for the one who it doesn't come easy for, who trips over the letters, right? Who stumbles over the words, okay? Uh, like we also know that there's a, there's a, uh, uh, a re special reward for someone who recites the Qur'an but doesn't understand the meanings, but is still attached to this book. You're conditioning yourself. Huh? We spoke about that last time. How do we enrich our experience of Ramadan this year? Shahru Sabr. We're going to learn this. One of the things that you can do to condition yourself is at the time for breaking the fast, sometimes it's been a rough fasting day. We're really hungry, a little bit, our patience is worn down, and we want to go straight to the meal before we pray the Maghrib, after the, uh, the, the time has come in. And um, we want to go straight to the meal, eat that first, or pray Maghrib, go straight to the meal, this type of thing. One thing that is very, very beneficial to sort of seal the deal with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is to be mentally prepared to take your time. The time comes in, all right? We take a date and break our fast, maybe a small bite of the date, your fast is broken. You make the dua, Allahumma laka sumtu. Allah, I've fasted for you, okay? I fasted for you and I've broken my fast for you and my hunger has subsided. I drink the water, right? And my veins are now quenched with water, right? And I ask you for, and so on. Then carry yourself with that sabr in the spirit of Ramadan to say those uh, raka'at of Maghrib, right? Conditioning yourself, perhaps you could save the two nawafil for after you eat, and watch yourself, pay attention to your body, all right? For some people, if they have too big a breakfast in the morning during the year, they're gonna be sluggish or sleepy huh, before midday comes along. Watch yourself and figure out, does the same thing happen when I break my fast at, at uh, Maghrib time? Um, then maybe you wanna modify that meal if it's the first thing that's hitting your body after you haven't eaten anything, you might get that you know, sugar overload, uh, overload and uh, then be sluggish when it's time to make the ihya of the night or bring life to the night. So maybe modify, maybe uh, have a bigger meal in some places, in some cultures that I visited, they'll have actually a bigger meal for their suhoor before fajr. But in some of those places also, they don't sleep at night and they actually sleep. Uh, some places in the world, they'll actually sleep after Fajr all the way up until about 20 minutes before Asr, right? They wake up, pray Dhuhr, pray Asr, right? And then they, you know, they're awake for the fasting period between Asr and, and Maghrib. And we'll come back to what we can do there. So that's not necessarily the, the best way to do it. But one note that I had uh, put down is... Also consider going easy on yourself, all right? What you want is to be present with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, 
while you're fasting, when you're breaking your fast. So if we're in a household with a lot of people or a number of people, some people may be highly energized and ready to take on whole new tasks, whole new um, modes of, uh, of dedication and devotion. And others may not be feeling it as much this year. We need to allow space for the energy of some of the people to infect the others and maybe be uplifted, but also not to go too hard or be putting so much expectation on others that we're just, you know, throwing a wet blanket on, uh, on the whole experience for everyone, right? So both sides need to take it a little bit easy and understand that the enthusiasm and the motivation that is coming to you this year or today or this week is a gift from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala addressed to you. And it may not have been addressed to the other people around. Be grateful for what Allah is giving you. And one way to inspire the people around you is by example. And that example is without expectation, looking out of the corner of the eye, uh, my eye as someone else doing exactly what I expect them to do. Stop expecting of others. Expect of yourself. Pour yourself into your own ibadat or devotions. And if you're focused on that and you're receiving from that and it's uplifting you, others are going to notice at some point. Maybe not this year, right? Maybe not in a month, maybe not, you know, in a timetable of your own making, but it will also be appreciated. Remember, we're also in the context of North America. It has its own culture, right? We have all types of cultures that we, we, uh, we come from. Um, parts of those cultures are wonderful and brilliant. For example, the Scottish Highlands. There's things that are interesting and wonderful and, and brilliant. Um, Air-conditioned skirts for men in the summer and the winter, right? But, uh, you know, not everything is the greatest, but we have to have this cultural awareness, right? We're here, we've been conditioned by uh, uh, this environment, either because it is where we're, we're, we grew from this soil, right? We were born here, or we've been here for 20, 30, 40 years. And in this environment, people really don't take so kindly to others pressuring them into compliance and conformity. And remember that the fond memories come from the joy of the experience that we share together. What's your dua that you're going to say? What is your, take time to craft what you're asking of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala this Ramadan. And you have that moment where prayers are answered at the time that you break your fast. Um, if you're in a home with other people, oftentimes um, maybe the, you know, 
when we're teenagers, we're not so enthusiastic about everybody gathering at the table. Um, or maybe some other member of the family. And again, it's give and take. Remember, somebody worked really hard to put this food together. Okay? And whether or not we're having a good day or a bad day, we do have to recognize that. Ramadan and the offering of the fast, right? Denying yourself is a type of ada, of performance of thanksgiving and gratefulness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for all that He's done for, uh, for us. And we're also told by the Prophet alayhi salatu wasalam that we're not able to really successfully thank Allah or be grateful to Allah unless we can also be grateful to people. So show that gratefulness to whoever it was that worked on putting this food together. Don't forget, all right? That was dedication, that was love, or it was indentured servitude if someone got drafted to work in the kitchen, you know, and it may have not been what they had planned to do that day, but it was a beautiful thing for them to help out. It's a beautiful thing when we get drafted to help out. And, you know, uh, one wonderful, wonderful thing that you can do during this Really, um, it is our holiday season, and it's a beautiful season, is work together in the kitchen, right? Work in partnership. Be positive about uh, helping the people who are working in the kitchen. And you can have conversations, right? You can learn about each other. Maybe if you're a young man, right, you can learn some recipes that will come in handy if you go away to... Uh, to school, and uh, uh, or you want to impress somebody in the future, right? It's always good to pull out a few surprise recipes, right? So gain those skills. Um, you know, be positive about it. Between Maghrib and Isha is a special time. Usually it's taken up with the meal, uh, and that's fine, right? That's fine. Again, I advise, right, take it easy. Take it easy on yourself. Right? Don't force yourself, don't force others. But if Allah sends you an inspiration to do a little bit more than you've done before, show gratefulness for that inspiration that was sent to you by engaging with it. Embrace it, go with it. Okay? Do that, that, uh, that act of devotion that has come to your mind, you know, maybe what if I did this? If you have a khatam of Qur'an that you're trying to accomplish, right? Engage with that if you want to, uh, to do that. It's a beautiful thing. Now, we spoke about after Isha, right, last week. You're praying Isha. You're going to do some uh, prayers. The Tarawiyah, all right, is... Originally, 20 raka'at, there's no need to go into the dispute, but you don't have to pray 20 raka'at, all right? Because the Prophet, the, the 20 raka'at was established by the Khulafa al-Rashidun, right? It was normalized, and there was a, a wisdom behind doing that, and the Ummah has always uh, followed that. But the Prophet, والسلام, right, the standing at night is voluntary, uh, but it's an important part engage with it as much as you're able. Remember that the Prophet ﷺ says that when you're engaging in your devotions or your prayers, your extra voluntary prayers, Allah doesn't get bored 
until you get bored, right? So once you get exhausted, once you get worn down, uh huh. Um, watch yourself. Are you forcing it? Uh, there's no need to force it. You don't have to pray 20, right? You could pray 10, right? You could pray less than 10. No. Uh, the sunnah of the Khulafa Rashidun, right, is 20. Uh, at other times uh, throughout, some of the imams of the past had instituted even more than 20. The custom in Medina was, uh, was a much larger number uh, than that for uh, quite a long time. Uh, and then uh, when we get up from sleep and pray before uh, Fajr time, the, uh, the tahajjud, right? The sunnah of the Prophet وسلم, is eight before Fajr in the middle of the night. Uh, but two is fine, right? Depending on your timetable. But set your Ramadan timetable and make it realistic. When you have made that prayer space in your home, there's a couple other things that you can do, right? If you have a very nice oud or oil, right, or perfume that is exhilarating and inspiring, right, take it and put it, right, in the prostration area of your, of your prayer rug, right? You have the oil, right? Personally, uh, I like Egyptian musk a great deal. I'll usually have, you know, at least a little bit of Cambodian oud, uh, and most of the time someone will give it to me in my travels or my visits, but it's been a, a long time since I've seen any Cambodian oud. Uh, but, uh, you know, take it and put it there. And create that fragrance. Okay, that's where you're going to be praying. One issue is you plan ahead for your tarawiyah. Uh, anyone who spent Ramadan in Mecca and Medina knows that Right? People are passing, if you're in the, the haram, in front of the Kaaba, uh, walhamdulillah, uh, there's people who they bring coffee and they pass coffee around. Right? So when you're between raka'at, right, you have a little sip of coffee. So one thing that I'd, I'd really be interested to know if, if people uh, are putting comments and things like that, what's, what's your favorite Ramadan bean? Right? Do you like a, a, a fruity uh, African uh, bean, or do you prefer South American? What type of coffee bean is your favorite one in, uh, during Tarawiyah in Ramadan? So make that coffee and prepare a little something. We can't always do that in the masajid here in, in North America. That's not really the, the custom. Uh, but this Ramadan, you know, you can the, remember that Tarawiyah means uh, uh, a rest break, or the rest, the breaks to rest between raka'at, right? So take your time, right? You're going to be here. You're going to make the most of this. Uh, take a break, you know. You keep a pace, but you can make your breaks longer. Have a sip of coffee, or if you like tea, uh, have that prepared and that ready, and, and make sure that if there's other people in the house, that we're all working together that we're all working to sort of help out. It's not like one team does the work and the other team does this. Sometimes that's what's going to happen, but let's make sure that we're showing appreciation for everyone. Um, you have your, your, your music stand or your Quran stand. You have your ajza or your mushaf or your iPad that you're, you're reading from. And some people, 
right, mashallah, are gifted with a very comfortable recitation. Not everybody is. Not everybody is accustomed to it. But remember, there is a core fundamental spirituality to struggling through the recitation. I realize that people have been uh, speaking a lot about uh, praying Juma online, uh, praying Taraweeh now they're talking about online. Subhanallah. These questions have already been asked before, right? At the moment that radios became very prevalent in uh, the Muslim world and they're doing live broadcasts of Juma or live broadcasts of Taraweeh, these questions were asked. When you're in the same place where the live broadcast on television is coming. So everyone's asked these questions, all right? Really, it doesn't work, all right? There is no jama'ah. Jama'ah means to be physically in the same space with someone. And uh, it, it doesn't really uh, make a difference when you're far from the same physical space. Essentially, you're supposed to be in a building or a room that's attached to the endowed mosque where the prayer is going on. But the question is this, why uh, if we want to be connected online, uh, it's the same as a live television broadcast. There's, there's no difference. Um, if we want to be connected in this way, there's no problem with that. Um, do some type of event, right? Do, for example, uh, for the Taraweeh, maybe on certain nights of the week, someone can be doing a, a study of the beauty in the Qur'an, because that's what we're looking for when we come to the mosque. So do a tafsir of Qur'an or some type of commentary and then maybe make breaks for people to have a little bit of tea, pray to rakahs, then come back for a roha, right? Give people like a certain amount of time and say, we're going to pray for, we're going to have a 10 minute break for people to pray and so on, and then we're going to pick up where we left off, right? And we don't have to call that online activity. There's no need for it to be taraweeh because the dispensation for not having to go is already there. It's already been announced, right? And uh, uh, because of the umum al-balwa, the, um, the public uh, affliction that has affected everyone, uh, this is what puts us in that space of dispensation. Um, the same thing with the Jumu'ah. The books of jurisprudence uh, speak very explicitly about the reasons why someone is not obligated uh, to have to go to uh, the Jumu'ah prayer. So you have your four rak'at of dhuhr, and this is standard. There are places in the Muslim world that uh, villages uh, or uh, encampments in the Sahara Desert with the Tawarigh and the, uh, the Mauritanians and others where they've never prayed Juma in that place. And this is a place of scholarship where people are actually learning to become jurists, but there's never been a Juma prayer in that place. Uh, the village in the mountains in Morocco uh, where I studied only started praying Juma for the first time ever a few years before I got there. Uh, because they never met the conditions. And remember that following the systematic jurisprudence, there is a very, very important objective and wisdom 
to having these systematic principles and conditions and so on. Because in one place, sometimes they feel like they're tying us up from what we want to do, but in another place, they're making possible understandings and practices of the Deen of Islam that make life uh, much more livable uh, for people or the practice of the Deen much more constructive. So once we start to fiddle with these things in ways that are not actually showing that someone has the acumen to, uh, to work with these principles, there is going to be like knock-on effects and slippery slopes and this type of thing. So it's a skill set that uh, a person needs to learn, like, we, like I tend to say on a regular basis. Um, anyone is welcome to fly a commercial airliner. You just have to get your pilot's license first, you know. So for the Juma uh, during this period of COVID-19, we don't have to go into the technical issues, but do something. Touch base with people online, okay? Do a, an activity uh, like uh, the, the bayan that the Diobandis do, all right? Um, do some type of public address and people can tune into that and then break and let people pray four rakats of dhuhr, right? That would be the more uh, smart uh, approach to do that. I wrote down um, a few notes, Sayyib. So part of that idea of doing it for yourself, now your practice and your qiyam al-layl, you're not depending on the group, you're not depending on the autopilot of having the imam doing it, it's actually becoming part of who you are. And that is one of the benefits of this, uh, this type of, of Ramadan. We said going through the ritual steps of breaking the fast, right? helping out at the dinner table. This might end up being the most special uh, Ramadan that you've had. Right? It could be really beautiful and warm because it's, as they say in, uh, in, in, in Damascus, at dunya, Ramadan, the world is still Ramadan. Right? And you can feel it in the air. And that's no different. Remember also that when you're fasting uh, and being cooped up in the house or not having so many places to go um, has its benefits. Remember that after Asr, as you're getting closer and closer to Maghrib, you have a little bit more left of the day. And after Asr is a time when prayers are answered, right? So carve out a space for yourself, right? Oftentimes in traditional Muslim societies, that's when uh, a Ramadan uh, lesson uh, or class is, is, is being given that people will attend after the Asr prayer, uh, leaving enough time for people to break and prepare their meal or go home or bring things home. That's a good time for people to do online classes. Uh, also, it's a good time for you to sit and, make, and use that last end of the fasting day, right, to be making dua. Uh, one of the, the books that I read from uh, during Ramadan a great deal is the Hizb al-A'zam of... Mullah Ali al-Qari, who was one of the scholars of Mecca. And he put together a text that has seven chapters for each of the seven days of the week. And each chapter is just uh, ad'iyah, 
supplications from the Prophet ﷺ because Mullah Ali al-Qari was a muhaddith uh, as well as a Hanafi faqih. And he has very important commentary on the, uh, the book in, in hadith criticism of, uh, of Ibn Hajr al-Asqalani that we study. And it's a beautiful text and you can just be reading these prophetic prayers, right? That's a wonderful thing uh, to do at that time. After I sleep and I get up uh, before Fajr to say the Tahajjud prayers, I like to mix that with another genre of literature, which is called Munajat. Munajat is often translated as intimate conversations, and it's like a, a dialogue between you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, almost like a discussion uh, in the form of, uh, of dua. Maybe if, if there's another session that we get together, we can read from some of these munajat, or maybe we could study them, right? This Ramadan, that would be really nice, but they're very intimate dialogues. Uh, that's what I like to do in the middle of the night. Um, and there's a long tradition of that literature, and some of these have been translated into English as well. Um, so use that time after Asr and before Maghrib, right? Take advantage of this and be sensitive to the fact that some people aren't able to do that because they've got to be working in the kitchen. Maybe one of the things that you can do is you can have days of the week or times where you go in and you relieve people in the kitchen. You do some of the things, maybe someone can distribute the labor and have assignments that you can go in and do. So, you know, mom or whoever else always ends up being the one in there can actually go and read from the Qur'an, can go and read some ad'iyah and have that uh, experience as well. That ta'awun, alil birri wa taqwa, right? Here's your opportunity for you to become a Qur'an walking. And I really do want to know about your coffee beans, right? What's, uh, what's your recommendations? Um, Another custom that goes on in a lot of Muslim countries uh, is they'll have special adhkar that they say in between the raka'at for the rohat and some of those adhkar are actually counting uh, mechanisms to count out the 20. So for example, in Damascus, they have a, um, a radiallahu anhu uh, formula that they say on the four khulafa al-rashidin uh, between um, every set of four, and then between the, between the first set of two and the second set of two, they have uh, different formulas of salawat on the Prophet, then the whole masjid will say it. If you have those in your, your culture, there's no harm in doing something like that. Um, and, you know, a basic thing, like, for example, when we do the khatam of Qur'an, it's sunnah to say la ilaha illallah allahu akbar walillahi alhamd right after uh, from surah duha until the end of the quran between each surah right you could do something simple uh, like that to add something extra you could take a break and you know sing some nasheed here in america most of you all uh, refer to the the qasaid uh, that are sung as a nasheed, right? Maybe you all ha have some that you sing as a family and maybe you could learn some that you sing as a family and that's also a really uh, uh, beautiful activity, right? To spice up your rohat or those rest moments um, between the uh, raka'at. Another really helpful thing for 
uh, Ramadan is you need to schedule your sleep patterns, right? Decide here's where I'm going to sleep, here's how I'm going to sleep. When I say where, at what points in the day. Um, if someone is going to have a very robust tahajjud suhoor period um, and they're stuck in the house, maybe uh, you have an opportunity this year that you never had before to sleep after Fajr, right? Or after Duha. Remember, don't push yourself too hard. Uh, if this is something that you're able to do, to stay up until Duha and then take a rest, um, however much you need. Where are you going to sleep at night? When are you going to go to bed? You know, what time are you going to go to sleep at night? Uh, and try to set that pattern because that will help you to nail down uh, your entire day. So that's your Ramadan sleep hygiene uh, recommendation. Tayyip, plan ahead for the last 10 days. What are you going to do that's special in the last 10 days? Maybe you don't normally go to the masjid for an i'tikaf to camp out for the last 10 days, but perhaps y'all could camp out in the living room. Make a pillow fort, right? Make a tent. In fact, in the, the masjid with the sahaba, they used to actually make tents uh, in the, the masjid. I know some people try to do that in the masjid and it's, it's cute. Um, and sometimes it's functional as well, but you know, do something like that for the last 10 days make pillow forts and the, everyone in the house is actually going to sleep in this masjid that you've made. We like to dim the light sometimes when we pray uh, the, the tarawiyah at night. If you've got Christmas lights, I mean, people do go to the stores. No one's, you know, under house arrest here. People do go out, get some Christmas lights, okay? Make an ambiance for uh, uh, your tarawiyah or when you're going to get up for that uh, to uh, remember that some activities can be done with a group in the house with everyone else and some things can be done you know with a little bit of solitude and you know take it easy on everyone right take it easy be receptive to to doing things with the group or being encouraged to do things you don't normally do have that receptivity to start with uh, and at the same time someone else right don't push too hard, you know, and be patient with people. Maybe this isn't the Ramadan. And this goes for every Ramadan. Maybe this isn't the Ramadan where, you know, this teenager engages or so-and-so, you know, uh, sort of clicks into gear or gets into a groove. But it will be the fond memories of the spirit and the atmosphere, right? that was present among others in Ramadan's past that might awaken with someone in a Ramadan future, right? Tayyib. So, making plans for the last 10 days, making plans for Eid, right? Right now we're considering how, what's, what's Ramadan going to be, right, this year? But what's Eid going to be this year? All right, let's not be like these, um, what would we say, sort of extreme, radical people who are demonstrating in the streets against being safe with the, the corona uh, virus spread. Let's not, right, be those people, 
right? Remember, the dispensations are there. If for some reason uh, things are not normalized by the end of Ramadan, then you can be comfortable with the fact that we're not going to have a mass gathering for Eid. These things are understood. The idea of waba, of plague, is something that uh, was known right, to the first Muslim community. They dealt with those things. Throughout the history of Islam, there were some major plagues that hit, and people had to take uh, different precautions. Bismillah. Okay, so uh, these things are normal, and we know even more now, and we understand how these, uh, these uh, dispensations work. One of the highlights of Eid, so will there be an, a Jama'ah Eid prayer? Will there be a khutbah to Eid? There's no reason why there can't be a Eid address. We're not going to call it khutbah to Eid because it's not going to be preceded by a, a, a joint prayer if the current situation holds and we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for relief. Um, but there's no reason why there can't be an Eid address, uh, why it can't be live with whoever is um, the khatib that you want to hear from. One of the other highlights of Eid is also, um, is also uh, visiting. I know in a lot of Muslim countries that the families, they visit and people go out and mashallah, you know, why not make an Eid video? as a family, right? Do something funny, do something cute, do something brief. Maybe have a message from each of the family members to your extended family and friends that you put out. And if everybody, for example, makes ijtihad to make something uh, special for their Eid video, something clever, what have you, we'll all have a really good time watching everybody's family or personal um, Eid greeting videos at that point. Right? And there's, there's no harm uh, in something like this. It's not a bid'ah. What would be a bid'ah is trying to manipulate something that can't be what the original devotional assignment was and call it that original devotional assignment. Uh, but doing something that makes sense and keeps us uh, engaged, meaning, look, you have different aspects and realities to who you are as a human person, your constitution. You have your physical uh, system, all right? So these are like different solar systems, right, working within you. We know about the respiratory system, uh, the um, pulmonary system. I think that's, is that the same thing? I'm not a medical profession professional, but I know a lot of medical professionals. So when I need one, I go to the right place, right? But you have the heart system, the circulatory system, right? The nervous system. But in the greater scheme or cosmology of the human being, you have your physicality, all right? Your body and your body has rights over you. You have your intellect, you have your emotions, and you have your soul, okay? Soul, heart, right, are interchangeable uh, terminology. Um, so there's that spiritual aspect or system within your cosmology as a single person, and that 
also needs to be well treated and uplifted. And that's what we're talking about when we're talking about theology and religion. So what we're looking to achieve when we're engaging with the dean is the upliftment of that part just like uh, we are going to pay attention to the needs of our bodies and the good health of our bodies, right? Uh, the good health and development of our uh, mental capacities and the mind that's a terrible thing to waste, and also emotional intelligence and balancing emotions, being sensitive to other people's emotions. So that's what we're trying to uh, achieve here. Tayyip. Naam. Tayyip. For those who are planning to do Ramadan classes, Right, whether it's going to be after Asr at some other point, or whether it will be recorded so that people can watch it in their own time. Um, remember that the classes that we give during Ramadan don't always uh, have to be about Ramadan. Right? Consider what the major themes are of Ramadan and how can we enrich and deepen those things. They're special prayers that we're doing. We're trying to focus on our ibadat and develop them further. Okay, there's sabr and that patience, right? There's a lot to develop out of that. There's different prayers and adhkar. All of these can be themes of these classes. They don't always have to be about uh, fasting, the fiqh of fasting, which is a great thing to do in Sha'ban. Um, and there are people who will benefit from that. And then, you know, of course, we can always use encouragement for how to benefit most from our, the fact that we are fasting, you know, and how to be uh, inspired by that. But I think that we've reached our time, uh, I believe. Is that true? Sayyid Mun'im, an'amallahu alayk. Were we going for an hour or 45 minutes? Uh, I believe it was an hour. Okay. No, we're good. We're good. Right? We're good. Um, so think about that, consider that. Something that enriches your prayer, all right? When we want to deepen our understanding of the formal prayers, remember that the prayer is a focus on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and a presence with Allah. What deepens that? When you study Tawheed, when you study theology or Aqeedah, Right? One of the things that's happening is that you're understanding the one that you're dedicating your prayer to. So in that is a modality of deepening the prayer. Studying the 99 names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is also deepening your intimate uh, consciousness of who it is you're praying to. Right? So consider the same thing with Ramadan, and prayer is a, is a big part of that. Um, charity, right? What does it mean to be a giving person? We can write a check, alhamdulillah, right? Jazakumallahu khayran. We can write a check, we can hand something over, we can give. What does it mean to be, though, a giving person? What is generosity? What are the, the etiquettes of, what is the comportment, right, of a giving person? A sensitivity to the dignity of people in need, for example. A sense of 
gratefulness and indebtedness to an opportunity that arises for me to give or be giving of myself, giving of my time. Um, almost everyone on the face of the earth and under the sky has some type of assets that they've been blessed with that they can give zakat from in a metaphorical sense of zakat, right? And the way to show uh, gratefulness for these blessings that we've received from Allah is to give of them, to appreciate the diversity in blessings and assets that people have to give. Maybe one person is extra naturally organically extroverted has that smile that you know brightens everybody or is you know a, a breath of fresh air right uh, in a long day mashallah that's a blessing and when they smile for other people right and it uplifts their spirits or their emotions huh, that is a type of zakat that's given the ability to recognize the generosity that not just people are giving, but things, animals, the sky, nature, to, you know, to see generosity in mundane experiences that are going on, that yes, they are a reverberation of Allah's generosity in His creation, so there's a witness of that, but just to recognize that there is giving that is going on is a sign of being a generous person, having a generous soul. Recognize when, 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 when people are doing mundane aspects right, of generosity. Right? Here's another way of deepening right, our consciousness or learning or growing or developing our consciousness of the the themes that are going on in Ramadan. The first 10 days of Ramadan, right, there is a narration, right, that is attributed to the Prophet wasalam, that the first 10 days is Rahmah, the Rahmah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Can you take the concept of Rahmah, Rahmah theory, as it were, and see applications? See where rahma, compassion, is happening, right? One of the things that we need to do here in North America is we need to reflect on the terminology that we use when we describe the deen of Islam. And we need to be able to use good English or Spanish, right, to uh, discuss Islam formal at times, but a functional formal, and also to be able to shift sometimes into the everyday language that we use. For example, Rahma, we often translate that literally as mercy, and of course it is mercy, but nobody really uses the word mercy in their normal language, which is the language of everyone's thoughts and the discourse that they recognize in their life, right? The only time we say mercy is when our older brother, 
I don't have an, I'm the older brother, but when our older brother is wrestling us to the ground and has us pinned and we say, mercy, mercy, I don't know if people still say that anymore, or you say uncle uh, here, I don't even know if that exists, but uh, we say compassion, gentleness, kindness, right? Can we see the kindness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Allah said that it's the people who show kindness and compassion to others who will receive kindness and compassion from Him and the angels, right? Can we take that from theory and find it around us? Can we be a catalyst for that around us? The middle 10 days of Ramadan, maghfirah, forgiveness. Do I realize the depths of needs in the plural of, that I have of the forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Hmm? Do I realize that not only do I need to be asking forgiveness of Allah, don't, can I acknowledge, be honest with myself in order to be honest with Allah? Because we cannot be honest with Allah unless we're first honest with ourselves and acknowledge that there are things that I need forgiveness for. The Prophet ﷺ in one narration makes forgiveness 70 times a day or in another 100 times a day. If that is the Prophet Muhammad, Allah bless him and give him peace, who all of his, um, all of his shortcomings will say, right? are forgiven in the past and in the future. Right? We don't want to touch the idea of the isma or infallibility, right? We accept the infallibility of the Prophet, but he's also showing us, alayhi salatu wasalam. If that's him, then what about myself? And I am created weak, right, as a human being. Um, if I need forgiveness, what capacity do I have to be forgiving of others. One way that we're forgiving is by not forcing, not compelling, not being disappointed with someone when if we really step back and look for balance in our relationships, what is my feeling of entitlement to be disappointed in the performance of so-and-so, what is that doing to their emotions? What is that doing to their psyche? Right? Sometimes it's a tool of tarbiyah or coaching or mentoring right? To, for someone who you know, doesn't want you to be disappointed with them, but sometimes it can become abuse especially if my approval is never going to be given. We get into like a, a, a set of rails or a train track, and we just keep doing the same thing, right? Uh, keep applying the same methodologies, but is it being effective, right? Is it being effective? Um, am I being overly rigid in my relationships, all right? And so we say that, for example, um, you have your car, your car isn't absolutely stiff, nor is a bridge absolutely rigid. There is some flex in it, 
there is some give, right? And we'll also say that this particular um, alloy, this particular met metal can be forgiving, meaning that it can accommodate, right? So that's another way uh, to uh, be a forgiving person who then uh, is trying to elicit, not earn, but elicit uh, the forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yes, we should work toward earning the forgiveness of Allah, but with the knowledge from Aqidah that we will never earn, meaning we will never be fully entitled. Why? Because Allah is Malak al-Muluk. He's the King of Kings. He is the Sovereign. He is the owner. It's His way and there is no alternative highway. Right? So, accept. Right? See that. Go with the flow. Roll with the punches of the Qada and the Qadr. Right? As we will do this Ramadan, we're going to roll with it. The circumstances were sent to us by Allah for a wisdom that He has and part of that mental development of mind and intelligence is trying to attempt to make ijtihad an effort to uncover what these constructive wisdoms are and to be a witness to them, right? To see them. We're going to close here. Thank you.